Let's begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians 8. I didn't include these in the slide offerings this morning, but just during praise and worship, I felt led of the Holy Spirit to remind you of a couple of big things that, that we've been talking about now for some time. And um, <clears throat> the first one is this. Remember that God can only take you as far as your trust in Him will allow. He can only take you as far as your trust in Him will allow. It's very important that we get on the same page with God. Agree with Him and agree with Him quickly. And some of the differences, you know, as far as disagreement, disharmony that a lot of people have with God is that they simply come to God wanting God to do something for them. And then once He does that for them, they go on and do whatever they want to do. And, and certainly God loves us and He's done, you know, <laughs> for us already. Amen. But Father is most interested in taking you somewhere that you can't get to without him to a, a, a plane a, a level a quality of life a condition of life that um that only he can take you to so it's not just about what he can do for you but it's where he wants to take you and he can only take you as far as your trust in him will allow now we've said that god honors those that honors him and of course we I say we've said that the scriptures say that God said that and there's no greater trust I'm sorry there's no greater honor than to trust God I'll get that straight here in just a second there's no greater honor than to trust God and if that's true and I believe the scriptures bear that out after I don't know a dozen or more sermons on that we've we've covered that extensively but if that's true if there's no greater honor than to trust then what does that say about our distrust our our failure to trust um, could it perhaps be the greatest insult? Could it be the greatest dishonor? So learning to trust God is, remember, all the ways of God, all the ways of God are designed to teach you to trust Him, to teach you to trust Him. Amen? You still with me? All right, I know we've covered a lot of this already, but I just want to you know, remind you um, of, of these things and, and the importance of us uh, understanding these things. Now, all of that has led us to this um, series on uh, giving and receiving. And the, the giving and receiving part is where a tangible um, experience or a tangible expression of our trust comes into play. He says, honor God with your substance. And we see in Scripture, both Old Testament and then Jesus quoted it again in the New Testament, where people love to honor God with their lips Right, but when it comes down, as we might say, rubber meets the road, brass tacks—you know—where we actually start putting into practice what we say. That's where the real honor, and the real faithfulness, and the real trustworthiness is developed and uh, and displayed. Amen. Now, let's go to Second uh, Corinthians chapter eight and verse nine. It says, "For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich." Yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Just to break these words down for you one more time, was rich means he possessed wealth, abundance, and riches. Became poor means like a beggar in abject poverty, completely destitute and helpless. 
so that you might become rich. And this means possessing an abundance of riches, wealth, and material goods. See, a lot of people try to spiritualize or, you know, any verse that has to do with material or tangible blessings, uh, religion tries to make those things like, you know, we'll, we'll be rich in uh, emotional well-being or we'll be rich in, in fond affectionate feelings or we'll be rich in this and that. And, and certainly all those things are important. And, and the salvation that Jesus bought and paid for for you and me includes uh, all things spiritual, all things mental, emotional, uh, and then all things physical. Spirit, soul, and body was a complete package. And in the same way that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for you, so that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the great exchange, we see that he did the same when it comes to our financial uh, life and existence. So this is that same verse with the definitions inserted. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, was wealthy, and possessed wealth, abundance, and riches, yet for your sakes he became poor, like a beggar in abject poverty, completely destitute and helpless, that you through his poverty might become rich, possess an abundance of riches, wealth, and material goods. Now, <clears throat> there's a lot that we've covered up to this point, and if you're, if you're new to this study, uh, I, I almost feel compelled to apologize to you because there's some things that, that we've already you know, brought up on the table and, and, and have well established from the Word of God. And so I want to try to push into some uh, new things this morning as it relates to knowing the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that's the pre prerequisite for understanding what it really means for Jesus to become poor so that you could become rich, okay? That's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's His unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor extended in your direction. This is something that He did for you because He loves you. Are you seeing this? And when we are confused about or do not understand the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to put us in a position where we will never understand what His grace actually has produced for us and put in place for us and put within reach uh, for us to go after both in this life and in the life that is to come. That's the other uh, manipulation. That's the other uh, you know, strategy that Satan uses when it comes to uh, the material, physical, financial uh, aspects of our redemption because uh, the Bible clearly says it. So what the devil tries to do with that is he tries to say that that's only for heaven one day, that it's not for this life right now, that in heaven one day you will experience and have all these good things. But Jesus out of his own mouth said in this life and in the life that is to come. So it's not either or, it's both and. And even when Jesus said for you and me to lay up for ourselves treasure in heaven, amen, he's saying that there are things that we can do in this life and among the things that we can do in this life involve ways that we manage our money in this life that will strategically impact where we start once we arrive in heaven. Amen. So we, we can't look at this as one or the other, but it's both. Jesus didn't just die on a cross to secure your eternal destination. He died on the cross to secure your daily victory in life. So I want to talk to you this morning, and, and it may carry over into, into next week some, because this is an, an important subject. We've, we've talked a lot over the years about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, but 
as it relates to giving and receiving and Jesus becoming poor so that you could become rich and Father's desire for you as His son and daughter in this life to have not only what you need, but things that you desire and an abundance of them. Amen. We, we, we've got, I think, some work to do, and it's important to understand this in light of things that we already understand about God's grace. Now, <clears throat> when we look at the Scriptures, we see that we were created, and I'm just going to throw out some, some words here. We were created to be great. We were created to be rich. We were created to be powerful. We were created to be influential. We were created to be fruitful. We were created to be in control. And we've made the case already, so some of this is just review. I'm going to say it in a way maybe that I haven't said it before. Hopefully it will kind of help it click and and really register with you as, as you're reminded of these things. But we see that these things are both our origin. In other words, how God intended for it to be with Adam and Eve and all of Adam's and Eve's descendants in the Garden of Eden. Amen? They were created to have dominion. They were created to have power. They were created to have abundance. All of these things. That, that was our origin. And then we also know that it's our destiny. Meaning what? Meaning that all of these things are what we know life will one day be like in heaven. Are you with me? See, we, we accept uh, things about our life and, 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 and you know, just because it's, that's the way it is with everybody else, we think that's the way it's supposed to be. Because, you know, however many out of ten dentists surveyed said this is the way we should do it. God doesn't operate that way. And, and, and let me remind you that Jesus said the way that he's established for us is a straight and narrow way, and few they be that find it. But the, 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 the 14 lane highway that's headed in the wrong direction is, is overcrowded with people. And we have this tendency sometimes to think that because everybody's going that direction, that's the direction that we should go. Because everybody else is doing it that way, that's the way we should do it. You remember when you was a kid and you tried to explain some disobedience to your parents by saying somebody else did it? And that didn't fly then and it doesn't fly with God. Just because everybody else is doing it some one way and because everybody else thinks surviving is the best we can hope for, that doesn't mean that's what God intended for you. So we have to look at our origin and our destiny to make sense of our current situation. Because what God desired for you in the Garden of Eden when he created us before Adam sinned and what he desires for you one day with him in heaven is the same thing that he desires for you right here and now. It's no different. Are you following me? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And and, and all the, like Matt was talking about this morning, you know, Adam sinned, and we were all in him in seed form when he did. This is why we must be born a second time of an incorruptible seed because we were initially born of corrupted seed with a corrupted nature. But now that we've been born again, the Bible says we've become a partaker of the divine nature of God. So let me just kind of zero in on this for a few minutes then. Dominion was our origin, and dominion is our destiny. This should tell us something then about our present tense reality. Context. Let's talk for a minute about context. Okay. You can make the Bible say anything you want to make it say by taking certain words and phrases and passages out of context. Context is what comes before it and what comes after it. 
And if you, if you ignore what comes before and if you ignore what comes after, then there's nothing to provide meaning with what comes in between. Amen? The Bible says there is no God. What the Bible actually says is the fool has said in his heart there is no God. But notice if you take that out of context, it's lost its meaning. Now, I've never met anyone who doesn't want to live a meaningful life. I've met a lot of people who aren't really interested at this point in God, Jesus, or the Bible, but they still desire a meaningful life. But there can be no meaning in life without context. Context provides the meaning. Amen. So when we look at the context of our current situation, we have to look at what came before origin and what comes after destiny to understand and make sense of where we are right now. So dominion was our origin and dominion is our destiny. Did Jesus say anything about restoring dominion to us in this life? He absolutely did. He said, I'm giving to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven so that whatever you bind on earth, having already been bound in heaven, will be bound on earth. Whatever you loose on earth, having already been loosed in heaven, will be loosed on earth. In Psalms, he called us the gatekeepers of, of, of this life, you everlasting doors, you, you, you eternal uh, gates of, of destiny. So dominion was our origin, dominion is our destiny, and dominion is what God desires for us in our current situation. Righteousness was our origin, and righteousness is our destiny. Adam wasn't created a sinner. He was created in right standing with God. And his own rebellion and disobedience is what took him out of that position. But it never changed God's desire for his children to be in right standing with him. And so this is one of the great gifts of our salvation, that Jesus came to make us right with God once and for all. The same right standing with God, the Father that Jesus enjoys, has been given to you and me. We've been made. It's not just, it's not just something that we have in our back pocket. It's not like some you know, pass that we use to get in. But it's, it's, who we've been, it's who we've become. So again, righteousness was our origin. Righteousness is our, is our destiny. It provides the context for the righteousness that Father God has given to every one of His children in the life that now is. Greatness was our origin. And greatness is our destiny. Jesus did not rebuke His disciples for desiring to be great. Instead, He taught them how to be great in this life. Abundance was our origin, and abundance is our destiny. Amen. Adam had enough good things in the Garden of Eden. And by the way, it, we've, we've kind of focused in on all the trees. God said, all the trees in the garden are yours to enjoy, except for that one over there, and it's mine. And that, that became Adam's gift back to God, to, to keep his hands off of it. But if you, if you read it carefully... There, there was every kind of precious stone and precious metal. God put all of that in the garden uh, and, and, and abundance of treasures and material things for, for Adam and Eve and for all of the descendants of Adam and Eve to enjoy. And of course, we know that, that heaven, I mean, they paved the roads in heaven with gold. A, a, a pure, finer gold than has ever been seen on this side of heaven. It was our origin, it's our destiny, and it's God's intentions for us. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? See, religion would have you believe God wanted us wealthy in the beginning and He wants us wealthy in the end, but He wants us to struggle through this life in poverty. No. No. 
not at all. We have an assignment in this life that requires material resources to accomplish. So it's a given that we all desire these, and that's another clue as to them being our origin and our destiny. It's because we never stop wanting to be in charge, we never stop wanting to be right, we never stop wanting to be great, and we never stop wanting to have more than enough. You don't have to be embarrassed to amen that. We were created to be in control. Just quit trying to control your spouse. That's not what he's talking about. We were created to be in control. And notice, when we were created to be successful. We were created to be victorious. I think, And I'm not railing against it, but that's, I think that's one of the reasons we, we have such a, an affection for, for athletic and, and sports competition is, is that we, we vicariously experience victory when our team wins and we won the championship and we won this and we won that. You know? It's because we relate to that. We... We, we, we feel some sense of connection to that. Nobody enjoys losing. Nobody enjoys even things that you are remotely affectionate towards losing. Because we were, again, created for, for dominion. We were created for righteousness. We were created for greatness and victory and abundance. So it's a given that we all desire these because we were created for them. It's our origin. It's our destiny. The question, though, that remains is how do we experience these things? Do we try to make ourselves great or do we submit to God and learn to trust Him for our greatness? Do we try to make ourselves right or do we submit to God and learn to trust Him for our righteousness? Do we um, try to you know, make ourselves rich? See, we can talk about dominion, we can talk about righteousness, we can talk about greatness, right? But man, when it comes... see. There's something about the money aspect of all this that brings it so close to home that it makes people uncomfortable. But trying to make yourself right, that's self-righteousness. The Bible says not only is that totally unacceptable to God, it's as filthy rags to Him. Okay? But I'm, I'm not sure we see trying to make ourselves rich as following in that same category. But see, the same God who wants you to be right and has put grace in place for you to be right with Him as a gift is the same God who wants you to be rich. But the same God who isn't interested at all in you trying to make yourself right is also the same God who isn't interested at all in you trying to make yourself rich. Are you seeing this? Self-righteousness is unacceptable. And self-made wealth, self-made... See, we, in, in this country, man, I just, I just, you know, offended a bunch of people. Because this whole American rugged individualism, I'm a self-made man. No, you are not. You didn't make yourself. Come on, think about it. What, what is, what is the, the key underlying factor in all of these self-made, self-righteous, self-made man? It's pride. It's pride. And it all goes back to the, to, the, to, the, to the sin of Adam and Eve. God, this is your way of doing it. I think we're going to try it our way. I think, we're going, I think I'm going to, instead of doing it your way, I'm going to do it my way. So the question is not a matter of whether or not dominion is for us now or righteousness is for us now or greatness is for us now or abundance is for us now. 
The question is, how are we going to pursue these things? Are we going to pursue them God's way, or are we going to pursue them man's way? Now, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about understanding God's ways of being and doing as it relates to grace, right? For we, we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Although he was rich, he became poor so that for your sake so that you might become rich. If you don't understand grace and how grace works and what grace is all about, then you're not going to ever understand what God's grace is trying to produce in your life. Let me, um, this is a really key verse for all of us, especially in light of a new year ahead. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And the context of this is the things that people want and need, uh, the necessities of life, uh, food, shelter, clothing, um, these kinds of things. And, and Jesus was teaching on that in Matthew, the sixth chapter, and how our lives are so much more than our next meal and our next change of clothes, and, and that we were created by God for, for such a higher pursuit. Yet most people in life think that all life and living is about is to make sure you, you know, you got enough uh, money for the month, and, and if, if we've got that, then we've you know, got about all we can hope for and expect in life. And so Jesus is saying, look, your highest purpose and calling as it relates to, to God's kingdom is to seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, the amplified version of this verse, Matthew six thirty three emphasizes righteousness as God's way of being and doing right. But seek first the kingdom of God and His ways of being and doing right, and all these things shall be added to you. Do you see the difference between something being added to you and you going and trying to add it to yourself? You pursuing it, you going after it, versus you seeking and pursuing God's kingdom and His ways of being and doing right, amen, and then Him adding the greatness, the dominion, the abundance, the righteousness to you. The difference is in you doing it your way or doing it His way. So I think that's, you know, again, a key, uh, you know, consideration, something we need to be aware of, the way the Amplified says, God's ways uh, of being and doing right. Now, God's ways of being, so let's, I'm going to go back and read something to you in just a moment. Let's, let's do this. God's ways of being work together with God's ways of doing to produce His results in your life reality. God's ways of being work together with God's ways of doing to produce His results in your life reality. We tend to place the emphasis on the doing. God places the emphasis on the being. If you're ever going to understand grace, you're going to have to understand doing in light of being 
instead of being in light of doing. What I mean by that. Grace has made you something you could never make yourself so that you can now do things that you could never do yourself. That's grace. Man-made religion says, do this often enough, consistently enough, and long enough, and you will become this. See, the earning, you do and you do and you keep doing and you do some more and then you do some more and just when you think you haven't done enough, then do it a little longer and maybe one day you'll become, you'll make something of yourself. The religious establishment asked Jesus, who do you make yourself out to be? They viewed Jesus as going about doing good and doing all that he was doing because he was, he was doing in, in order to become something. His doing, as the way they understood it, was him and an effort uh, of, of him trying to be something. Are you seeing this? That was their understanding of it. And it's religion's understanding of it to this day. It's not God's understanding of it. Jesus wasn't doing in order to become something. Jesus knew who he was, the Son of God, as long as Jesus would, would play by their rules, as long as Jesus would be who they said he could be, they loved him. They were handing him the scrolls. They were, he was the darling of religion. I mean, they were like the 12-year-old prodigy, right? As long as Jesus could potentially be a prophet, he's certainly a good teacher. But when he says, no, I'm, I'm none of that. I'm the son of God. Do you see how, you see the mindset difference here is I'm going to do this and I'm going to keep doing it. Because one of these days, if I do it long enough, this is what I'll be. This is who I'll be. This is how people will recognize me and, and so forth and so on. And that's not how grace works. Grace says, I'm going to make you righteous. Now you be righteous. And because you now be righteous, you can be right. You can do right. Let me, some of you are going to recognize this from a few years back. So we must understand God's ways of being and doing. And the title of this uh, is Understanding the Relationship Between Being Righteous and Doing Right. Now, before I get any further into this, let me remind you. Let me remind you, okay? All of this is is, is, is an element of, of the bigger study that we're involved in. But remember what he said. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, he became poor for your sake so that you might become rich. If you don't understand grace, you're not going to ever understand what that verse means or why God would ever want to make you rich and, and you'll, you'll just write it off to maybe one day in heaven. All right, let's, so we've got to understand God's ways of being and doing. Not, listen to me now, not God's ways of doing and being. It's God's ways of being and doing. You're a human being, you're not a human doing. So understanding the relationship between being righteous and doing right. Being righteous and doing right are related and dependent upon one another, but not the way most people understand. Most people think being righteous is dependent upon doing right, but it is the exact opposite. Doing right is dependent upon being righteous. I was told, and I believed for many years, that I was a sinner. And as a sinner, I needed to do right. I was, in essence, being told to live in contradiction to what I was. 
The truth is, I was a sinner when Jesus found me, but He made me righteous through His blood and not by or because of my good behavior. I was born a second time and became a new creature with a new nature and a new identity. Based upon this and this alone, I am not a sinner anymore and will never be one again. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am no longer trying to live in contradiction to what I am. Now that I have been made righteous, I have the wherewithal inside of me to do right. The more my mind is reconditioned to my new nature and new identity, the more my life reflects the reality of the righteousness I have become. So being right and doing right are dependent upon one another. But trying to do right in order to be right is futile and unacceptable to God. Because He made me right, I be right. And because I be right, I can do right. Okay? That's grace. It's God's ways of being and doing. It's God's ways of being and doing. Now, this doesn't just apply to righteousness. It, it applies to having dominion, ruling and reigning in life. It, it, it applies to, to wealth. It applies to freedom. He made you free. We were, we were singing about it this morning, right? He made you free. He made you free so that you could learn how to live in freedom from sin. Religion would tell you, religion would tell you that until you stop sinning, you're not free from sin. My friend, I am free from sin. You, if you've been born again, you are free from sin. It's who I be. And because I be free from sin, I can follow in the steps of my master and let him teach me how to live free from sin. See, the old covenant and, and then how the world thinks, it's all about earning. So we, we view like, you know, living long enough, you know, in freedom to equal somehow our being free from it. So under the law, being was determined by doing. But under grace, doing is determined by being. We must understand the grace. So do you see why he says that he has made you rich? You see why he says the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it? Do you see? I mean, this is verse after verse after verse. We, one of the things that, that the Lord has been speaking to us on, on Wednesday night, the study on Wednesday night about receiving and, and, and how to receive from God is, you know, if you, if you ask God for healing and then look at how you feel to decide whether or not you received anything. See, that's, that's not how you receive from God. Okay? And, and so do you see how this applies here? Under grace, doing is determined by being. Let me, there's some things that are deeper down in my notes. I know we're fixing to have communion. Let me get to that right quick. Praise God. Um, here's some questions for you. And this one, if you remember, the Lord asked me uh, a couple of years ago now, how much money do you need to have to believe you're rich? 
How much money do you need to have to believe you are rich? See, do you, you see how the doing and the being are so backwards in so many people's minds? Because we start thinking of dollar amounts. But believing he's made you rich has nothing to do with how much money you have or don't have. So let's kind of, how many days do you have to go without using drugs before you believe you are free? You see the difference there, right? How about this one? How many days do you have to go without symptoms before you believe you're healed? How many people have to confirm your giftedness before you believe you are great and have something to offer to others? <laughs> Pardon the personal two here. How many books do you have to write before you believe you're an author? I won't get personal on that, but amen. I'm an author. Amen. You would think writing a book would make me think that, but amen. I'm an author. I was an author before I was formed in my mother's womb. How about this one? How many years do you have to lead a church before you believe you're a pastor? <laughs> How much success do you have to experience before you believe you're successful? What percentage of restoration do you have to enjoy before you believe Jesus has made you whole? He made you whole. He made you whole. Abraham's example is our example. What did he believe? He believed God had made him something he could never make himself. And he believed it and was fully convinced and persuaded of it before there was ever any physical evidence in his life to say it was true. That's what Abraham believed. He believed he was the father of many nations before he ever held Isaac in his arms, before Sarah ever conceived the first child. That's what he believed. He believed God had made him something. He believed he be the father of many nations. And his being influenced his doing. If he waited to believe he was the father of many nations, if he waited to believe that, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I hold Isaac in my hands. I'll believe it when Sarah is, is, is nine months pregnant. I'll believe it when Sarah gives birth. She'd have never been pregnant and she'd have never given birth. He had to believe it first that God, God said to him, I have made you the father of many nations. And because Abraham is a lot like a lot of us originally, initially, when God said, I have made you the father of many nations, he heard, I will make you the father of many nations. God didn't say, I will make you the father of many nations. He said, I have made you the father of many nations. God didn't say, I will make you free. He said, if the son makes you free, you shall be free in your performed action. I was born again free. I was born again right. I was born again with authority in three worlds. And I was born again rich. Amen? Amen. Matt, Vanessa, Daniel, if y'all would come, please.
Brother Pops and those who are going to help serve communion, if you would come, please. Are y'all getting anything out of this? Man, I so want you to understand these things. Grace, obviously, but then as it relates to the giving and receiving. And so where we'll jump in next week, and just as they're coming, as they're all getting ready, okay, let me just say this. Don't be distracted. Just hear me out, please. So, so many of God's people are trying to do what God says about having wealth and increasing financially without ever believing that they be rich. Are you following what I'm saying? That's really important. You, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ makes you something and then His ways of being, the only way to be that is for Him to make you that and then His ways... So do you see how they work together? His ways of being, His ways of doing work together to produce His results in your life reality. Amen. Father, thank You for this time together this morning. Thank You for Your Word. Lord, we receive it with meekness engrafted into our very hearts and minds and personalities. Father, Your Word is um, the uh, governing factor in the decisions that we make and the ways that we do things. And Father, I thank You for every person, Lord, that's here this morning that's watching online, Lord, that's receiving from you today. Lord, help us to honor you with our substance and the first fruits of all of our increase in this new year. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, the men are coming.